0: Welcome to Defiance. I'm your host Peter McCormack and today I have an interview with Messir Alinejad, an Iranian journalist and political activist. Iran is not a free country. The ruling elite prevent free and fair elections, banning opposition voices from standing while funding terrorism and proxy wars across the Middle East. Protests against the regime are met with brutal resistance and the uprising in November 19 led to an internet blackout with an estimated 1,500 protesters killed. Women face severe oppression in Iran. They cannot be seen in public without a hijab, leave the country without their husband's permission or even sing, dance or attend football matches. In this episode, I'm joined by Masir to discuss the Islamic Republic regime, human rights and freedom of expression and the protest that calls for change. But before we get into that interview, I do also just need to thank my sponsor Kraken, the best place to buy Bitcoin, consistently rated the best and most secure cryptocurrency exchange. Kraken puts the power in your hands to buy, sell and trade Bitcoin. Are you a Bitcoiner? If not, and you would like to learn more about Bitcoin, then please check out my other show, What Bitcoin Did, which Kraken also sponsors, and I also have a beginner's guide on there which can help you understand everything related to Bitcoin if you're new to it. Bitcoin is a decentralized peer-to-peer digital currency without any central authority. By not having a controlling party required to validate transactions, Bitcoin is both trustless and permissionless. It is also an opt-out of government fuckery. And as Edward Snowden said, Bitcoin is freedom. If you want to find out more, head over to kraken.com. Also, if you enjoy Defiance and want to support the show, please do leave me a review on iTunes and subscribe to the show. Follow me on social media and share this out with your friends and family. If you do have any questions about this or any of my other shows, please do feel free to email me. My email address is peter at defiance.news. The reason why we fight is
1: to draw attention to issues and to fix it. Resilient. Resolute. Defiant in the face of impossible odds. We are in the beginning of a mass extinction and all you can talk about is money. money.
0: Hundreds of protesters turned out singing Glory to Hong Kong, an anthem of
1: defiance.
0: Hello, Monsieur. How are you?
1: Thank you so much. I'm good.
0: No, thank you. I've seen you present a couple of times now. You're always energetic. I always love your approach. And um I had you down here as journalist, activist, and I had troublemaker.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I would love to be a troublemaker for the oppressors. That actually scares the government. And we have so many badass in Iran. I'm just one of them.
0: A professional troublemaker. Let, let me ask you first. Um how's your brother doing? And do you have any contact with him?
1: Um uh the only news that I have from my brother, it's um, from his lawyer, which mentioned on his Instagram and Twitter about the first court hearing that my brother was questioned by a notorious judge called Qazi Moghese just about my activities, which is not fair. You know, I live outside Iran and I... Um, fight against the Islamic Republic, the religious dictatorship, compulsory hijab, and they have to punish me. They shouldn't go after my family. So they interrogated my mother for two hours, my 70-year-old mother, who has nothing to do with my campaign or my activities. And um, they were trying to bring my mother on Iranian national television to disown me publicly. So my mother refused, and that's why they arrested my brother. And now my brother is in prison. It has been eight months. So, but I have to be strong because the reason that they do that, they want to break me. Most important than this, they want to take my focus away from what I have been doing and they want me to stop giving voice to voiceless people to do what I do as a journalist and women's rights activist. And so that is why. I look at to the mothers of those people who got killed in Iran protests, in Iran prison, They never keep silent. I look at those women of White Wednesdays who removed their hijab. Now they receive jail sentence, some of them like 16 years, some of them 9 years, 10 years. They don't give up. They never said that they regret. So they keep fighting the religious dictatorship. So I look at them and I keep going.
0: Right. So for people who don't understand... A lot of people know various bits about Iran, but the people who tend to listen to my show might might know not know as much as uh, certainly not know as much as yourself. Can you give an understanding of what the regime is like in Iran and how they managed to hold on to power?
1: To make it easy for people to understand, I have to say that the Islamic Republic of Iran—it's like ISIS in power. Believe me, I'm gonna now prove that. And give you some example. In Iran, Fars News Agency, one of the official news agencies, they were like announcing that look, ISIS forced women to wear hijab from the age of 13. Let me tell you, the Islamic Republic forced girls to wear hijab from the age of seven. If you don't cover your hair from the age of seven, you won't be able to go to school. You won't be able to get an education. You won't be able to get a job. You won't be able to to get any kind of documents. You won't be able to live in your own country. And apart from all these, if you're unveiled in public, then you get lashes. So you see, this is what kind of things like ISIS has been doing, but Islamic Republic of Iran made these, like, laws. And then if anyone protests that, they said this is a law and you have to respect the law. So my argument is this. Islamic Republic is an official ISIS. And another example, women are not allowed to enter a stadium. Singing solo is forbidden for women. Can you believe that? Women are not allowed to dance you cannot practice your own religious properly in the street the way that you want. doesn't matter. You're Jewish, you're Baha'i, you're not even having a religion, but you have to dress as a Muslim. If not, you won't be able to get anything like job or education or living in Iran. So that is why I'll call, I'll call them ISIS because as, as a citizen, you don't get the, any kind of rights, like basic rights, not, not just women, like men. Religious minority, the rights of religious minority, it's just unbelievable. Like, um, if uh, you're a Baha'i, you won't be able to go to to school, to university. You have to deny your identity. So that is why, in my opinion, Islamic Republic is like ISIS. and Iran is different. So in the map, we have one country called Iran. But in reality, it's not that. It's two Iran. One is Islamic Republic of Iran. The other one, which is Iran, has been taken hostage for 40 years by the Islamic Republic. Like, if you want to live as a normal person, you want to live like a normal person, then you have to do whatever you want underground. You want to drink alcohol? Underground. Today is Ramadan. If you go in public and drink water, not alcohol, not red wine, water, you will be sentenced to 70 lashes. So this is the reality that the Western media do not want to understand because they see our smiley president, our smiley foreign minister in the United Nations, and they think that's all. They have election. But that's a fake Election as a woman when I I don't have the right to choose what I want to wear. I don't have the right to sing. I don't have the right to dance. I don't have the right to go to a stadium. I don't have the right to be a judge. I don't have the right to whatever I want to do. But I am given a right to vote for my oppressors. So that's not election. That is the it's truth of Iran.
0: This, uh, this oppression of especially females, you, you talk about 40 years. Is it something that's getting worse? Is it something that's just like a roller coaster? Sometimes it gets better, sometimes it gets worse. Like, Is there any change over time?
1: I mean, that's true. Sometimes, you know, let me, let me just give you an example. A lot of people say that when reformists is in power in Iran, then the situation is better. Yeah, of course, we can show a little bit more of our hair. That's all. But we are talking about our dignity. Come on. This is 21st century. We want to live like a proper, like we want to, we want to, we want to carry our own identity. That's all. Yeah, change. The situation can change. Like when Khatami was in power, people were like women were like a little bit more free to show a little bit more of their hair but it's still as a girl from the age of seven if you don't uh, wear compulsory job the islamic dress code, you will be kicked out from school political freedoms you won't be allowed to criticize the supreme leader of iran you won't be allowed to criticize the religion in iran so for me i don't see any change because this is 21st century and i want to enjoy my true self as far as the islamic republic is in power doesn't matter reformist conservative fundamentalists when it comes to human rights, rights of uh, freedom of religion freedom of expression their freedom of you know women's rights they're all the same
0: is this a religious dictatorship or is it a dictatorship that is using religion as a shield
1: i have to say this is a religious dictatorship okay right like, like, 40 years ago, right after the revolution, all the clerics, when they came in power, the first thing that they do to control the whole society was mixing religious uh, religion with politics and using, like, actually, Sharia laws to control the whole society through women. And the first step was compulsory hijab. So, That is why I always say that we are not fighting against the small piece of cloth to me and millions of other women in Iran compulsory job. It's like the main pillar of a religious dictatorship. You know what I mean? It's like Mm -hmm. compulsory job is the main, like it's the, it's the most visible symbol of oppression. So it's a tool that the government used to control the whole society. So to make the longest story short, all the like, Sharia laws in Iran, like compulsory hijab and other things, is like a wall. If you bring this wall down, then the religious dictatorship won't exist anymore.
0: So how effectively can you create change within Iran in this situation? You, you obviously uh, have, have um, quite strong views about the, the regime, but how can change come about?
1: I strongly believe that change comes within the society. For 40 years, people in Iran had the fear inside them. Now people overcome the fear. Like in 2009, when there was a demonstration, the people managed to kill more than 100 people. But still, people knew about the brutality of the regime. They came to the street again two years ago. The government managed to kill more than 30 people, but still people are fed up with the regime. So they came out in, in the street more than 100 cities across Iran last November. So people want change. They want an end for the Islamic Republic. But what actually helped the regime to be stable or kind of stable in my opinion, the regime used um, the regime oppress its own people and filter social media for people, kill people in the street, put them in prison, and they use the same social media to mislead the rest of the world. Why? Because they are suffering from a serious crisis inside Iran. So, what can help them? It's international community. It's the European. Um, government. so that is why actually the regime trying to get a deal and um, look for, for, for the European go- the EU to help them to be stable because they can oppress more people inside Iran when they are sure that the rest of the world do not pay attention to these people who got killed and risked their lives to overthrow the regime.
0: So I was following the protests back in November last year and also the ability the regime had to essentially switch off the internet. Uh, The internet appeared to go dark for about a week and it was very hard to get accurate reports on how many people were killed in the protests. But I've read various reports, maybe up to around 1,500 people. If each time there is an uprising that, that the regime brutally goes out and murders people, does that not put the fear of the fear into people that if there is an uprising that, that they risk dying? Have they not managed to kind of put out the flame of uh, uprisings with this?
1: Look, that's actually a good question because um, this is actually what I want the rest of the world to understand, the international community, the journalists, the media, especially the liberals. I want them to understand people know the risk. People know that they might get killed if they participate in any kind of protest in public. People even know that if they remove their hijab, they will receive like long prison sentence. So they are aware of the risk. So what is the message? They're sending a message to the rest of the world that this regime does not represent Iran. We don't want this regime. So some some of the media might say that Yeah, but uh, still they have election. I mentioned about the election. The election is not a fair election. We don't, I mean, two of those reformist presidential challenger are still under house arrest. Imagine Obama was under house arrest in America. Imagine none of the former president in America have the right to go on TV and talk about their opinion. This is the, the reality of Iran. They have an election, and then the year after, when the, you know, the, they have another election, I mean, they have another president, then you won't see the face of the, the, the other presidents because they're all banned from going on TV or they are in jail or they are you know forbidden from having a party. We don't have free political parties in Iran.
0: So is there any way of building effective opposition politically in Iran?
1: I don't think that we can have a political opposition inside Iran who can freely participate in any kind of election or who can um, freely participate uh, to challenge the regime in in the media exist in Iran. So that is why actually people choose to take to the street to protest. And... uh, None of the political parties in Iran support the Iran protest, which happened last November. So you see, when uh, ordinary people became the leaders and take to the street to challenge the regime, the reformists attacked them. Instead of supporting the the rights of the people, uh, the rights of the workers, the rights of the women who joined the protest they attack them they uh, the reformist party only support iran protests when the people do not chant against the whole regime so right now the main slogan in the street has changed it's nothing to do with reform people are fed up with voting every year and seeing no change that is why they're looking for for, um, a secular democratic country They don't want religious to interfere In politics Even those people who are um, You know Practicing Islam And they are religious Women wearing hijab um, They are now Part of the protest, the protest In joining Iran protests Or campaign against The supreme leader of Iran And the Islamic Republic
0: It sounds to me like you believe that western media is not doing a good enough job reporting and investigating on the reality of life inside iran
1: no because if you see western media you you only hear the voice of those reformists who believe in reform, who believe in Javad Zarif and President Rouhani. But if you go in public in the streets, there are a lot of people who actually uh, think that reform is not working anymore, but you don't have these, these you know, voice on the Western media. Let me tell you something. Recently, there was a huge campaign actually echoing the voice of Javad Zarif about sanction in saying that people in Iran are dying because of sanctions. So I am not saying that sanction does not hurt people. Of course, of course, sanction hurts people. But why we don't hear any voice in the Western media about people, ordinary people saying that When there was no sanction, people were dying because of corruption, because of mismanagement, because of religious dictatorship. We don't hear any voice on Western media actually giving a better picture of the situation in Iran, saying that while people in Iran are suffering from sanction, the regime proudly sent money to Syria, to Lebanon, to Yemen, to Iraq. And there is a video of Hassan Rouhani saying that although we were in a very hard economic situation in Iran, we didn't have money, we were suffering from sanctions, but proudly we sent guns and money to Iraq. There is another video of actually Hassan Nasrullah saying that um, until Iran has money, the Islamic Republic has money, then we, the Hezbollah, have money as well. We have video from Javad Zarif, the foreign minister, saying that I am proud that the people in Iran are under pressure because of helping Lebanon, Syria, Iraq. These are the videos in Persian. We hear them, but we never, never hear them in Western media. Mm. So, and another thing, another example, if people are suffering from sanctions, And which is true, then why the regime in Iran do not cut the budget of more than 40 religious institutions? So you see, this is the corruption of religion, uh, religion interfering politics. The budget of two websites of two uh, Ayatollahs, as they call themselves, Khomeini and Khamenei, the budget of these websites increased while the government said that we don't have money and they increased the price of gasoline in Iran. So you see, the poor get poorer and the rich get richer under the Islamic Republic because of the corruption of these mullahs. So what we don't, we don't hear that. Another thing is right now, 50 women are in prison and 10 of them, uh, part of their acquisition is just, you know, removing their compulsory hijab and protesting compulsory hijab. I mean, they receive long prison sentence because of bravely protesting compulsory hijab. So guess what happened? In the Western media, we don't see any solidarity, especially from female politicians. They go to my country. They only care about having, you know, commercial contract business with the Islamic Republic. They obey compulsory hijab law without saying a single word. The high representative of the European Parliament, Catherine Ashton, before getting Iran deal, she said to the Islamic Republic that if I want to come to Iran, there is a condition that I have to meet with the human rights activists. So she did. Hmm. It was before Iran deal. But right after the deal, the high representative of EU, Federico Mogherini went to Iran. She shouldn't care to meet with those human rights activists because they used human rights as a tool to get the deal. And then after getting the deal, they buried human rights. That's the problem.
0: There's another thing I'd like you just to talk about a little bit because it was I first became aware of it with your presentation at COVIDCon where, just correct me if I've got this wrong, but I think you referred to the Ayatollah's sons, Having an investment company and the corruption with regard which surrounds this, am I correct in this? Is my memory right?
1: No, I said the Ayatollah's son. They have their own, yeah, they have their own institutions, and um, they get budgets from the parliament. Can you believe that? And then the regime says that we don't have money to, uh, to, uh, you know, help people for uh, medical supplies. That's actually what has been missing in the Western media. Then the people inside Iran get frustrated because they know that the Revolutionary Guards actually took, like, the whole, I mean, it's not me saying that, but, people inside Iran were actually chanting against the Revolutionary Guard because they took the economic hostage. And uh, people were saying that our version of ISIS is the Revolutionary Guard because they are not even took the uh, economic hostage. They actually took the people hostage as well. The Revolutionary Guard is the one actually beating up people, arresting the activists, And um, torturing people Killing people in the street While they protest Peacefully But the western media call Qasem Soleimani Like a hero So This is like The the hypocrisy That we are suffering That you know The west cares about human rights But when it comes to Islamic republic They keep silence because Because they want to have a they want to have a deal. And sometimes even I don't trust the American government. While, you know, the, President Trump abandoned the Kurds in Syria, I was like, you know, if President Trump get a deal with Iran, then does he really care about human rights in Iran? That worries Iranian people. You know, that, oh, wow. that's, that's the main concern, that people getting killed, risking their lives. 1,500 people got killed in last November, Mm-hmm. 7,000 people got arrested. Women are in jail for their basic rights. So imagine if the American government have a deal, then what's going to happen to human rights? That's the main course. And, 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 and as, a, as a human rights activist, this is my goal. I want all the international community to understand that human rights should go first. Nobody should bury human rights under any kind of political agenda. That's all. If the American people enjoying First Amendment, if the Western countries enjoying freedom of religion, freedom of expression, then this is what the people of Iran deserve to have it. And that's why they're fighting for it. So instead of if you look for stability in the in, in region, then you cannot go and have a negotiation with an unstable regime. Instead, the West should recognise the civil society and the struggle of citizens in Iran who are fighting against a better country, a better freedom and, a, you know, secular democratic regime.
0: What is the general feeling towards the US in Iran? And I know there'll be a, a range of uh, feelings, but... Um, I saw a video a while back. I think it was outside a college where there is flags of the Israel and the US flags outside that are put on the floor as a way to and, and, and so people walk over them. But I saw a video of people and they would walk around them. Was that real?
1: Look, no, the general feeling is the one that you can see at university, you can see in the streets, you can see among students. When they are not forced to do something, they are not going to step on the flags of any countries. The people inside Iran want to have a normal relation with the rest of the world. They don't want to be isolated. This is the regime. Because they are suffering from economic crisis in Iran, because they are suffering from, you know, the regime actually cannot handle Iran protests. They don't know how to control the young generation in Iran. So they need a foreign enemy. And America is this. They can use America like as an enemy to get the people united, you know? So that is why I have to say that this is just a regime trying to encourage the supporter to burn the flag of American Israel or step on the flag. But this is not the reality of Iranian people. Yeah, some of the supporters of this American republic might do that because of the brainwash, but this is not the true face of Iran. Some, as I said to you, some of the people are worried. And the general feeling is this, that the American government, the Western government, might help the regime to actually save itself from Iran protests, from the struggle uh, you know within the society because people now after 40 years they're brave enough they're saying no to islamic republic and um people are worried that here is the time that the regime can rely on the west to survive
0: are you optimistic at all do you do you believe you can see change to the regime do you believe it can be brought down
1: of course. Look, I lost everything in my life. I I left my homeland behind and I lost my relation with my family, with my, my mother. I haven't hugged my mother for 10 years. My brother is in jail. I, I lost a lot of things, but not hope because I strongly believe that the whole process that we are building up democracy is important. Of course, the goal is like, get rid of the religious dictatorship but the way that we are going together is important as well the process itself is important as well the society actually educating itself every day by these uh, like challenges and um, people learn from each protest and that is why I never lose hope and I'm very hopeful. I see the future bright. I see the day when when men and women are equal. We don't have religious interfering in our personal life. You know, it's not just interfering in politics. It's like how many baby that we can have. This is religion making decision for us. What kind of lifestyle we want to have. This is religion making decision about us. So I see the day that religion. Is a personal issue for every single person and has nothing to do with my life style, with my opinion, with my belief, and and my freedom in Iran. Right.
0: This is very very powerful stuff. If people are interested to know more, if they want to find out more, Masir, how do they? How, what what do you want people to do?
1: Um, I want people to actually. Oh my God! Do not sacrifice human rights for political agenda. This is I always want to tell the people around the world. Even here in America, democracy is fragile. It's not something given by God, and it can be. It can be there forever. We need active citizens. We need to look after democracy. And what happened to Iran? It's horrible because when we had the revolution like 40 years ago, we lost all our social freedom overnight. So you see, that's why I strongly believe that people can take a lesson by looking at us instead of putting a step forward. The revolution just, you know, was a very backward revolution. In when The revolution itself became a revolution against Women against people. So this is, I want people to know if you are asking me, people should look after democracy, should feel responsible about each other. Do not say that human rights, it's an internal matter. It's about Iran. It's about Middle East. I don't want to interfere. Take a lesson from what's happened uh, to the whole world uh, because of coronavirus. When coronavirus entered Iran, it didn't stay there, or coronavirus didn't stay in China. It infected the rest of the world because of mismanagement, because of the, you know, uh, corruption of the Chinese government and the Islamic Republic. So my belief is that religious dictatorship is like a virus, much deadlier than coronavirus. So that is why if the rest of the world do not take an action or keep silent about it, then this religious dictatorship can infect the rest of the world like coronavirus did.
0: Yeah, I did spend some time looking into coronavirus in Iran and I do find the the numbers themselves um, very suspicious, but we, we we won't cover that now. That could be a show on its own. I will refer people in the show notes instead to go and watch your presentation for COVID-con that you did for the HRF. Okay, so Masir, look, I really appreciate your time. If people want to follow you, follow your work, see what you're up to, where should they follow you?
1: They can follow me on Instagram, which uh, now 3.5 million uh, followers, and on Twitter or Facebook. So you see, Iranian government kicked me out from my homeland, from Iran, but they... They couldn't take Iran out of me. So, and I am there every day. So people sending me videos of the reality, what's going on in Iran. And I publish them on my Instagram. You can, you can see that some of the videos video of ordinary people get like 5 million views, 2 million views. And that shows the power of ordinary people who try to break the censorship and make awareness about the real Iran.
0: You have three and a half million followers on Instagram.
1: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not an actress. I'm not, a, you know, a model. I'm just a normal, uh, you know, I'm just just a voice, a platform for those women and men who want to express themselves, but they don't have any media inside Iran. So that's why I offered them to use their camera as a weapon. So under hashtag, my camera is my weapon, you can see that. Women, instead of being victims, they became warriors. They're using their camera and they expose the corruption, the violence, and they're trying to take their rights back. By, because, you know, when you use camera and film the oppressors, then you feel more powerful. And when you share it with other people, with the rest of the world, you even feel more powerful. So... That scares the government. That is why, actually, the government in Iran, the regime in Iran, went after my family. First, they faked my rape on Iranian national television. Did you know that? No, I didn't. Yeah, they said on Iranian national television that Masih Alinezhad was raped by three men. They were not even ashamed to get my son, my teenager son, involved in my fake rape scene, saying that, Massey's son was watching her, his mother while the mother being raped by three men. And guess what was the reason in their fakest story? They said that because Massey started to undress herself, then men you know, raped her, so then she deserved it. So this is the mindset of this regime. So then that didn't work. They couldn't stop me from doing my, my activities against the regime. So then, they after they went after my family, they brought my sister on TV to disown me publicly, which she did. My mother refused to go on TV, and then they arrested my brother. You see, sometimes it, my heart, like, like somebody, I don't know how to, to to describe. Somebody can. It's like I cannot breathe when I talk, think about my family are being hostage in the hands of the Iranian government. But what gives me hope is like. They're scared of me, you know. They're scared of me and millions of other women like me, and that's why they're miserable. So I have two options, to feel miserable every day or to make my oppressors miserable. I choose the second one.
0: <laughs> well, then you yeah. need to keep up the keep up the good fight, Messiah. And then hopefully... Yeah, sure. When this uh, lockdown ends and the next HRF happens, perhaps Oslo or New York, I'll actually come and say hello to you this time and we'll, uh, we'll catch up in person. Uh, yeah, I wanna say together thank you we're so-
1: stronger. Yes, thank yeah. you so much for giving thank me you. a blast.
0: No, thank, thank you. you and keep doing everything you're doing. Um, sure. And uh, hopefully we'll see you again soon. Take care. Sure.
1: Thank you so much and bye.
0: Thank you for listening to Defiance. I hope you enjoyed this interview with Alina Jad. Masir is amazing and the sacrifices her and her family have made in fighting against the Iranian authorities are incredible. It was great to have her on the show and great to get her an insight and perspective on the current leadership in Iran and also some of her research work I recently saw at CovidCon with regards to coronavirus misinformation within the country. I do recommend you go and hunt out some of her presentations. I saw her present in New York and I also followed her CovidCon presentation online. She's done a bunch of work for the Human Rights Foundation, so I recommend going and checking that out. Before we close out, I do need to thank my sponsor Kraken, the best place to buy Bitcoin. Consistently rated the best and most secure cryptocurrency exchange. Kraken puts the power in your hands to buy, sell and trade Bitcoin. You can find out more at kraken.com, which is K-R-A-K-E-N.com. Also, if you want to support the show, please leave me a review on iTunes or subscribe to the show, follow me on social media, or share it out with your friends and family. If you have any questions about this show or any other show I've made, please feel free to email me on peter at defiance.news.